All right, so Lord, as we come before you in Jesus' name and through his blood, and everybody's agreeing with Pastor Scott over the word, okay? We're all agreeing together. Lord, we know the importance of the word. We love the move of the Holy Spirit. I love the gifts. I love to see God touching people, healing people, delivering them. But Lord, we need the word. And I pray tonight as, as I speak this forth, Lord, that you would anoint me fresh and speak through me. And, and glory and power, strong anointing on the word. And I pray that even now your Holy Spirit will begin to invade where people are and just begin to captivate all of us. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would, would touch our minds and our hearts and help us to have good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives that, that we can be humble and we can have eyes to see and ears to hear. How many times we read in the Bible, they, you know, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. And Jesus said, those seeing they don't see, those hearing they don't hear. Lord, let your Holy Spirit anoint our eyes, anoint our ears, and give us eyes and ears of the Spirit to be able to perceive. And Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. Your word is living seeds of truth that will go out among the nations. Let the winds of the Holy Spirit carry this word everywhere it's supposed to go. We get, we get you know, emails and things from around the world. Let this get everywhere it's supposed to go. And Lord, it will accomplish that which you sent it for it to do, the Bible says. But let it be planted in good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives, watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. And Lord, I pray that there will be the washing of the water of the word, that there will be a bright, shining light of truth that will dispel the darkness and lies and deception of the enemy. And Lord, bring revelation and truth and life. Lord, I pray that your word will go out in power like a hammer that will shatter strongholds and tear them down. It will be a sword that penetrates where it needs to go. And Lord, let your mighty angels watch over the word of the Lord. And we're, we speak now that the birds of the air are not going to steal the seed. Lord, we bind the enemy in the name of Jesus. I command you will back off away from this word and release it. It's going to get where it's supposed to be and accomplish that which it's supposed to do. And let the mighty angels of the Lord just drive away any hindrance. And Lord, we thank you for your word going out in Jesus' name, in accomplishing everything it's sent for to do. We believe, we receive it now, we expect it, and we thank you for hearing and answering that prayer. And even in this place, help us just to get captivated, give you our best and our full attention, that we can get everything out of it ourselves that we need to. It'll stay with us. There'll be retention in Jesus' name and understanding. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, I'm, I'm starting a series on revival. How many of you guys love revival? I, I love revival. It's one of my favorite subjects to preach. You know, I just, God's probably rewarding me because I just had to preach a difficult series here recently. So I remember one time God had me preach on sex and even my wife left town. Remember that? She did. So sometimes God has you preach on difficult things, but this is a fun topic, all right? So I'm going to talk about faith, but I'm going to do an extended series that's going to cover a lot of information over a long period of time because I don't want to try to cram it into a few sermons. I want it to, to last as long as it needs to, but I really feel like there's a lot of hungry people out there that are scattered out and they're, they're hungry and desperate for God to move in their life and move in their church. And this is for those people. I mean, it was God has a remnant. And many times a remnant will be a group within a group. And there's those people out there, they're hungry for more than maybe what's around them. And I'm going to deal with what brought such a, a glory into this church, 
That's really what I'm talking about. What brought the anointing and the move of God here and sustained it over a very long period of time? I'm dealing with that, but I'm also um, talking about what will, biblically, what will bring the presence of God and, of course, what will repel the presence of God. See, we know the Bible says God is everywhere, but God's manifest presence is not everywhere. Okay, there's a difference. And I want to be a place here in River of Life. I want my life and ministry to be a place where the glory dwells. So, even though this isn't really in our notes, the first thing that I'm going to make real clear, as clear as I can, and I'll deal with this probably throughout this whole series and mention this, throughout several sermons is that you have to be willing to be different that's the biggest thing that I would say and don't think it won't come without a cost and without persecution but see if everything is just going to be as it is we, we read the book of Acts and we see harvest of souls we see healings and miracles are common deliverance is common the power of God the gifts of the spirit we see all that and that's normal biblical Christianity then you see that it's you know by and large everything is subpar to that so if we're just going to be like everybody else then we're not going to be seeing anything more than what anybody else is seeing so you have to be willing to be different and, and accept the persecution that comes with being different you can be as right and as biblical as as possible but just by virtue of the fact that you're different than what so-and-so thinks you should be there's persecution in that so and when you're dealing with the move of God and you're dealing with biblical book of Acts Christianity it's going to fly in the face of some traditions of men and wrong belief systems that some people have they've grown up in different cultures spiritually they've grown up in different denominations different pet doctrines different traditions of men that they believe is is Bible they believe it's true but when you start seeing true biblical Christianity it's going to make them squirm because that religious spirit is going to be confronted. I remember Steve Hill um, back years ago, probably 2003 or four. I was, you know, part of Heartland. And I remember him preaching a sermon called Strike the Viper's Nest. And it was based, you know, the story in, in, in the island of Malta where Paul, um, they started that fire, remember, and the snake came out and bit him. But Steve was making a point that wherever there's a fire that is started, the snakes are going to start manifesting and coming out. You see what I'm saying? And that's what happens. When you start seeing a move of God, all those religious spirits that are in so many people's lives begin to squirm and get really uncomfortable. But God wants to deal with that. And I don't want to be somebody that is an arrogant religious Pharisee that thinks I've got some monopoly on God or that I know everything and sitting back with my arms folded looking at things through criticism and judging and pride sitting back there thinking that I already know everything and what who do these people think they are and have that type of attitude God will never move in somebody's life like that God is looking for humility amen and I want to be open and humble before the Lord and what he has for me all right so first Timothy 118 I'm gonna deal in this first sermon we're going to cover a lot of ground, okay? In this first sermon, I really felt the Lord highlighting faith. So 1 Timothy 1.18 says, This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight. 
in some translations might say wage a good warfare. Did you guys know that it's important that you document the true prophecies over your life? And did you guys know that it's a battleground? See, there are some people that erroneously believe, and it is way off, that just because somebody gave you a true prophetic word, that you can just wad that up, and you can maybe stuff it in your underwear drawer or something like that, and just shut it off, all right? And it's just going to happen. If it's God, it's just going to happen. And if it's not God, it won't. That's a wrong attitude, and that's not biblical. It could be God, but you've got to pray into that, and you've got to wage a good warfare. Because there are things that the devil will try to do to attack people to stop those prophecies from coming to pass, if he can. And some people say, well, if it's God, it wouldn't stop it wrong. What if the devil attacks somebody and they end up getting bitter? What if the devil attacks somebody and they end up getting lifted up in pride? What if the devil attacks somebody and they get off into a life of unrepentant sin? Yes, those things can be aborted through, you know, satanic attack and then somebody getting off. But if we'll wage a good warfare and press into God, these things can come to pass. In 1 Timothy 6.12, says, fight the good fight of faith. See, one of the great battlegrounds is faith, fighting the fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I'm going to deal with some things about faith that have really changed my life. I, I enjoy the subject of faith. And listen, in America, just hear me tonight because I, I really love America. I believe it's the greatest place to live. I love America. But America, though, has had a pride problem. And that's just a fact. Um, anyway, so I say that because, you know, if I was sincerely praying about something and somebody was praying over me and ministering to me and they were being sincere about it, they weren't being cocky or mean or something, but they told me, they said, look, maybe, maybe you don't have the faith for this right now, or maybe your faith is sagging. Maybe you need to firm up your faith. That doesn't offend me because I understand faith. I understand that faith can sag. I understand that sometimes people's faith isn't where it needs to be. That doesn't bother me. That very well could be true. And I would thank him for mentioning it because that may be true. And so I would go home and pray about it and say, man, Lord, am I sagging in my faith? Is it weak? Do I need to firm up my faith in this area? And I would begin to get in the scriptures and try to build up some faith in that area to believe God. But see, here's the thing about faith. A little bit of faith, if it's in the heart, a little bit of faith can move mountains. But it is only going to be by faith, though, that things happen. Faith is like the currency of heaven. When you really believe God, things start changing. But where there's an atmosphere of cynicism, there's an atmosphere of criticism, there's an atmosphere of, of negativity and unbelief or doubt, it can really hinder. Do you hear what I'm saying? But where you have a group of people that are humble and they're, they're childlike and they just believe God. See, let me say it this way too. A lot of times you can just take the Bible and somebody may be flying you know, in an airplane over a part of the world that has never really known Christ and they, they just by faith just dropped a bunch of Bibles in the region, in the language of that region. And all of a sudden these people start reading it and they, they accept Christ as their Savior and all of them 
they they really believe god man they believe the bible's true and they just simply hear what i'm about to say they just read it and they humbly like a child believe it those people are going to see miracles those people are going to see the dead raised those people are going to see demons leave those people are going to see territory taken for christ the problem is and i say this in love we get a bunch of people that have some weird cultural christianity that want to tell you healing's not for today they want to tell you christians can't need deliverance they're going to do everything they can to try to stop the power of god that's demonic and that kills faith all right hebrews 11 1 now faith and notice now faith faith is an expectation that's why i tell you guys all the time come expecting i mean that when you come to river of life come expecting something to happen you hear what i'm saying i believe that's of utmost importance many people come week in and week out to a religious thing a social club and they have no faith that god's going to ever move or do anything and god never moves or does anything he meets their expectation of no faith but if people will come and they will believe god they're expecting something to happen see that's an environment an atmosphere of faith where god is really going to move so now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen let me put it this way you're praying about something and right now y'all look this way right now you're praying about something you don't have empty hand all right you're praying about something you don't have but now you pray with faith and you believe you've received it even though you don't see any change yet do you hear what i'm saying you don't see any change in the natural you don't feel any change in the natural as far as the natural goes nothing seems to have happened but you pray and you believe god you believe you have received it here's faith faith's now in your hand you still don't have anything in the natural but you have faith it's a substance it's a title deed and you keep walking in faith and walking in faith believing that it is done until faith is now replaced with what you prayed for and now you have that whatever it is you see what i'm saying but it's faith that is the currency that which is in your hand that faith is the currency that is going to bring the miracle into the natural In verse 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So you read something like this, and I want to have faith. That doesn't mean your life is going to be rosy. That doesn't mean you're not going to have trials. You know, many people want the, the testimony, but they don't want the test. Well, I mean, you know, none of us want to go through bad things, but I'm just making a point that, hey, you know, there's going to be things we go through but if we'll believe god we'll have a list of testimonies as we came out victorious amen verse six though without faith it's impossible to please him so when i see that that makes me want to be a man of faith and i know you want to be a person of faith for he who comes to god must believe that he is that he exists and he is a rewarder of those that seek him in other words what this is saying is is that god is looking for a humble people so full of faith they they believe that yes god you do exist and i believe if i pray you are somebody that will answer prayers you will reward those that seek you 
You're faithful. You're a good God. I'm going somewhere with this. It's just the foundation here. All right, so Charles Finney. I want to share this real briefly. Charles Finney was somebody that was a mighty man of God that lived in the mid-1800 time frame. And he saw what we call the second great awakening. Okay. And so during this time that Finney lived, he was a lawyer and God really got a hold of his life and i mean just really baptized him in the holy spirit it was an amazing testimony i've read it but charles finney had to be a man of faith and he understood that prayer is what moves god and so he had a mighty man by the name of brother nash that would travel with finney and brother nash many times would go to the next city or something in front of finney and pray things like this he would go in front of him and pray and then Finney would come in and there would be already something going on because of the prayers of Brother Nash. But here's the point I want to make about Finney. He was a man of the spirit. He was a man of prayer. He was a man of fasting. But he was also a man of faith. And for him to see what he saw, he had to have faith. And let me tell you how Finney had faith. Charles Finney firmly believed that revival was not something that would just spontaneously just happen randomly. And I don't believe that either, never have. When revival happens, somebody prayed. We may not know till we get to heaven who did, but somebody prayed. And somebody didn't just pray, they got a hold of God. Because revival is God's response. But what Finney believed was this. He said, revival is no more a mystery than if you went out and you plowed a field and you planted wheat in the field and then you believed and expected that in due time you would watch wheat grow up. That was his example he used about sowing and reaping. He did not believe it was something just random. He believed that you deliberately prayed and then you would reap. And so to see revival, God come down and move a harvest of souls, we've got to be a people of faith about it. And we've got to believe that when God has given us true prophetic words, we've got to be a people that believe it and are willing to wage war over those words to see them happen. How do you wage war? Prayer. Many times prayer and fasting, but you go after God. And God has given us some powerful words in River of Life that are about to happen. And I'm going to share that at the very end, some things that, you know, Brother Benny shared, but also others. Okay. But now I want to talk about cultivating faith because a lot of people in the body of Christ, especially nowadays, are not necessarily people of faith. And this really grieves me. Romans 10, 8 through 10. If you guys are taking notes, this is a good time to really grab hold of what I'm about to share because this really changed my life. The next couple points here, okay? We're Romans 10, 8 through 10. And Paul says this, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. I want everybody to pay attention to this. In your mouth and in your heart. Everybody say, in your mouth and in your heart. This is so important. The word of God has got to be in our mouth and it's got to be in our heart. Now I'm going to explain this as I go. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... 
If you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, it didn't say believe in your head. It didn't say an intellectual agreement. He said you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And for with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Now let me break this down and give you a couple Greek words. So we all know this scripture. Anybody that's been saved for very long knows this scripture. It says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. But what people a lot of times don't know because of American Christianity is that the word they're saved is the word sozo in the Greek. And many are familiar with the word sozo in River of Life. But the word sozo is translated saved in English, but there's more than one, more than one word in Greek for saved. This particular word sozo, here's what it means. Like safety or protection. It also means to do well or prosper. It also means to heal or deliver, to preserve and to make whole. This is everything Jesus paid for on the cross. See, a lot of people in America have never really been taught the fullness of their salvation because Jesus did not just pay for sin to be forgiven. He paid for healing and he paid for deliverance at the same time on the same cross. It is the same salvation. It is all paid for there at one time and this word sozo wraps all of it up I don't have time in this sermon to break down everything that happened on the cross that's a whole two or three sermons by itself but Jesus died nude on a cross he took stripes on his back he took piercings in his hands and feet he took a crown of thorns on his head to break the power of poverty to break the power of sickness to break the power of the demonic in people's lives. It's not just a matter of your sins being forgiven. You have to understand, when you accept Christ, you're not just pardoned for sin alone. You are now, uh, there's a born-again experience. You have to understand, there's a new birth. And somebody that's really born again, I'm not talking about religious that just goes to church, because there are some people that are just religious that go to church and they call themselves Christians and they've never been born again. I'm talking about somebody that's born again and they are in a blood covenant with the Almighty. You understand how serious God takes blood covenants. They are in a blood covenant. Therefore, the Spirit of God is now dwelling within them. They can no longer live a life of unrepentant sin because they'll be miserable and convicted like nobody's business if they try it. God, the Holy Spirit, won't let them get away with it. He will draw them unto righteousness. Now you have to understand also that the stripes on Christ's back and the fact he hung on a tree, Galatians 3.13, he became a curse for us. He paid for healing and deliverance. It was done. But see, when we pray about things, I'm going to do my best to try to explain this because faith is a bit of a mystery. But I'm going to do my best to explain some things. It is with the heart man believes. Okay. The first thing I want to say is this. A lot of people mentally agree with something, but it never got in their heart. And that's a big difference. Because a lot of people, they mentally hear things and they, they agree with it. They say, okay, yeah, that's true. But that, that's not faith. That's mentally agreeing with something. Faith 
is where it gets from your head down into your heart. And that's where true faith is born. It is with the heart man believes, not the head. And with the mouth he confesses. Now in this scripture, the way Paul says it is this. If you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth unto a sozoed life, okay? The fullness of salvation. And then he says this, for it is with the heart that we believe and it is with the mouth that we confess resulting in salvation. And that word is soteria, which means rescue. So what Paul is trying to say here, if I can sum it up this way, is if you'll believe in what the Bible says Jesus did for you on Calvary, if you'll really believe it in your heart and you'll speak it out of your mouth, you're going to see that area of your life where you're in need. It's going to be like a rescuing there. If you need deliverance, God will rescue you. If you need healing, he will come and he will provide healing. But it's with the heart that you believe and the mouth you confess. This is not a passive thing. Y'all hear what I'm saying? This is not a passive thing. Just like Peter, if he was going to be passive, he would have never got out of the boat. It's not a passive thing. Faith is something that you step forward into. Peter had to make an effort of some kind. He had to move forward. Many times people never get their breakthrough because they sit back waiting for some kind of a lightning bolt from heaven, some kind of thunderclap, when God's just expecting them, if you'll take the first step in faith, then things will start changing. But it's got to be that initial faith. All right, but let me say this too. How do we get, because as a pastor, my heart is to be as practical as, as I possibly can it's one thing to preach this way it's another thing to tell people practically how do I cultivate faith how do I actually get faith how do I grow in faith I believe when you become a Christian there's a measure of faith in all of us but how do I grow in faith how do I get heart faith okay this is what I want to explain for a moment the Bible talks about meditating on the word day and night if you'll meditate on it now here's what I do this is just one way that you can do this. Every morning when I have a time with the Lord, I take communion, just me and the Lord. During this time, I want you to hear what I'm saying. If you're taking notes, this would be a good thing to jot down here because this really changed my life. I began to do this years ago, but as I take the elements, I'm thinking and I'm speaking what Jesus did for me on the cross, but I'm using scripture. I'm going to give you an example. Number one, the Bible says he was pierced for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquity. The punishment that brought peace was on him. And the Bible goes on to say, if I'll confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me. And what? Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And the Bible says that he has made me the righteousness of God in Christ. So I just gave you three good scriptures right there. But what I do is I'm, I've got the communion elements and I'm thinking now about the cross. I'm seeing my Jesus on the cross. I'm seeing the crown of thorns on his head. I'm seeing his hands and feet pierced. And I'm thinking on the word of God. I'm meditating on it in my mind, but I'm speaking it out of my mouth. And I'm saying, Lord, I thank you that you were pierced for me, that you were bruised for me. And I thank you, Lord, that today as I confess any sin and I come before you that 
you forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I'm saying this out loud. Lord, you have made me the righteousness of God in Christ right now. Right now. Not when I feel like it, because you may never feel something. I believe I have received it now. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am washed in the blood of the Lamb. And I meditate on what he did for me about the forgiveness of sins. Then I move around to the back of the cross. And I'm seeing him with my mind's eye, the stripes on his back. And I'm saying, Jesus, I thank you as I eat of this bread that your stripes paid for my healing. And the Bible says that by your stripes, 1 Peter 2.24, 2, that by your stripes we were healed. Past tense, it uses that. Past tense phrase in the Greek. We were healed. And Lord, the Bible says that your Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, lives in me and gives life to my mortal body. And the Bible says the anointing abides. So there's an anointing in me. The Spirit of God is in me to give life to my body. And as I partake of this bread, this emblem of what you did for me, I thank you that by faith today I am healed. By your stripes I am healed. And I'm speaking that out loud. I'm meditating on it in my mind. And I'm speaking it out loud. And I look at the cup, the fruit of the vine, and I remember Galatians 3.13. And the Bible calls in Galatians 3.13, it says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is anyone who's hung on a tree. So what were the curses under the law? Things like failure, defeat, oppression of your enemies, sickness, poverty, bondage to the devil, things like that. Lord, all of those things, I'm sitting here with this communion, I'm thinking in my mind's eye, I'm seeing Jesus now hanging on that tree, becoming a curse for me right now in my life. He became a curse for me, and I see that all that oppression of the devil is on him, on the cross. It's nailed to the tree, so that now the blessings given to Abraham come on me, and I am free from demonic oppression I am free from um, whether it be demonic things that's attacking in health or financially or trying to cause division whatever it is that the devil's trying to do Christ redeem me from that and I say Lord I thank you that the blessings given to Abraham come on me today things like exaltation and promotion there's categories health and long life reproductiveness that's fruitfulness in every area of life prosperity and abundance favor with God and man so in other words the works of my hands are blessed there's favor in my workplace and victory over every enemy and Lord I thank you as I partake of this I'm redeemed from the curses of the law and the, I, the blessings given to Abraham on my life and as I'm meditating on that and I'm speaking that out when I first started doing it it was one thing because my mind was in agreement but as I kept doing it y'all hear what I'm saying as I kept doing it every day, over time, it went from just being in my mind to getting in my heart. It got down in my spirit. And that's when real faith kicked in. Now it wasn't just me agreeing with something. Now it was I believe it down to my bones. And I mean, I believe it with every fiber of my being. It is in me. And so when I'm doing this every morning, it really shifts the atmosphere and it renews my mind. 
and I'm speaking things over my life and my family. And that's how, if you want to know how to get faith in your life, that's one way that you can do it right there. It's meditating on the word in your heart and speaking it out, okay? But here's something about faith. The Bible says you have to believe that you have received it. This is where most people miss it. They have faith, but they don't know how to use it. I'm telling you first, how do you get faith in your life? How do you cultivate faith? You meditate on the word. You get that down in your spirit. But now I'm going to tell you how to use faith. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them. And that is what the Greek says. Believe you have received it. That's a proper translation. And they will be granted to you. But see, it says you have to believe that you have received it. Then, after that, they will be granted to you. See, a lot of people, they want to believe after they feel it. They want to believe after they see it. That is not faith. Anybody on the street out there, if you do something in front of them, they're going to look at it and say, okay, I see it. Now I believe. There's no faith in that. Faith is you believe God when you don't see anything. You don't feel anything. It doesn't look like anything's going on, but yet you believe you have received it. You know what you just did? You have an empty hand, but you believe that you have received it, so now faith as a substance is in your hand. It's your title deed. And you're going to walk in faith until this is replaced with the reality of what you prayed about. It's a title deed. And there's no guarantee on how long you're going to walk in that. All right. And before anybody complains, just remember that Abraham walked in at 25 years. So until you get to year 26, we don't have any right to complain. I'm serious. All right. So therefore, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received it, and they will be granted to you. And then Jesus begins to explain something right here. See, sometimes people are frustrated. Lord, I believe I have received it. And I'm walking in faith. I know that I am. But yet, it doesn't seem like something has budged yet. And it's been a while. What's up with that? How many have ever felt that? <laughs> All right. Well, Jesus says this in verse 25. When you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who, who's in heaven will also forgive your transgressions. And then it goes on here in verse 26 and says, if you do not forgive others, you will not be forgiven by the Father. So here's what Jesus is saying, if I can paraphrase it, okay? He's saying, when you pray, believe you have received it. But if you're not seeing a breakthrough over time, you need to make sure and examine yourself as to why is there unforgiveness is there unrepentant sin is there something in your life that's that's hindering this answer prayer from coming forth does this make sense tonight and jesus is trying to show us if you'll deal with that then the answer will come forth quickly but there may be something there that's holding you back and let me tell you unforgiveness will do it probably quicker than anything else and so i remember i'm sharing this because I've shared how to, to get faith or how to cultivate faith in our lives. 
And I'm sharing about how to use faith. Now, let me just give you a couple stories. I have several I probably could share of myself as well. But this one really stuck out to me. I love Kenneth Higgins Sr. And he's been such a blessing to me in his writings. And I remember that God really used him in faith, in healing, back, especially in the 80s and the 90s. But God used Brother Hagin and Derek Prince both in the 80s to bring information to the body of Christ that we needed before the revivals of the 90s, okay? But Brother Hagin understood faith. And here's how it happened. Many of you have read his story, but he was dying as a young man. I believe he was like 14 or something, but he was on a, a deathbed. He had an incurable heart disease. He was dying. As a matter of fact, as he laid there, he died more than one time and came back. He saw heaven. He saw hell. Make a long story short, he gave his life to Jesus, but he was asking the Lord about how do I get over this sickness, you know? He accepted Christ as his Savior, but how do I get beyond this? And the Lord gave him Mark eleven twenty four, And when he saw this, he began to understand I've been praying and asking God to heal me, and I'm waiting until I feel better. Is anybody getting this tonight? He's waiting until he feels something or sees something before he believes. And God showed him, therefore, when you pray, believe that you have received it. And then, so he understood, oh, wait a second. I got the cart before the horse. I've got to believe God first, and then I'll see change. So he, he began to pray, and he said, Lord, I believe I have received this now. I believe. Even though I don't feel any better, I believe. What did he do? The title deed is now in his hand. So now he stood up, and he began to walk around the bed. He said he was so sick, he, did, he could only walk around the bed a couple times and lay back down. But he said, I still believe that I'm healed. I mean, it's just a matter of time. But how many knows it takes some time sometimes? So over the next year, everybody say a year. Every day, he would say, Lord, I've already prayed about it. I believe I have received my healing, and I thank you that I'm healed. By Christ's stripes, I'm healed. I'm walking in healing today. Gradually, over a year, that's a long time, he gradually got better and better and better. In around a year's time frame, he was completely healed. But he had to believe he had received it first before he saw the change in the natural. And I remember um, Derek Prince was saying one time he prayed for a woman. And many of you know this story because I've shared it. But he prayed for her to be healed in her back. And he, he believed God. He told her, you need to believe you have received it. Now, her back didn't feel any better. And as a matter of fact, she was in a lot of pain. But he said, we've prayed. Believe you have received it. She said, okay, I believe I have it. You've got to understand that healing virtue has flowed into her body even though change hasn't maybe happened yet so anyway she just believed and as she went on for i think if i remember right it was a couple weeks where she didn't feel any better but she was in a church service and the spirit of god was really moving and just all of a sudden there was just this praise in the house and without thinking about it she just jumps up and starts praising God because the Holy Spirit was moving in praise. I mean, she's really going after it, and she realizes my back didn't hurt anymore. You see what I'm saying? She believed back when Derek prayed for her a couple weeks before, but she didn't see the actual physical change until... So whenever Derek prayed for her, she believed she had received it. She had the title deed in her hand. 
she stayed in faith now if she would have done something foolish like after Derek left said something like well I'm not healed I guess I didn't get anything she would have probably still had that back problem the rest of her life but she believed and sometimes the reason why I've seen this a lot and I'm trying to say this to help some people where somebody will come into a really powerful service where God's moving and they'll get prayer and there will be significant change they're healed I mean there's no doubt about it there's change in their life but they go back home and it seems like they lose that healing and it comes back on them well a couple things about that there's not any one answer but I'll give a few is that you have to understand that in that atmosphere the person that was praying under an anointing functioning in the gift maybe the gift of healing they were under the anointing they were functioning in the gift of healing their faith broke something open in that person's life but when we get back home here is the problem many times have we cultivated faith in us to sustain answered prayers see somebody else's faith may have got you the breakthrough but many times we've got to cultivate faith in our life to sustain a breakthrough that's one answer also another answer is sometimes it's just demonic and it's a battle and you're going to have to stand in faith against the devil not just healing but the demonic force the demonic spirit behind that sickness amen that that's a fact many times i've seen people get a breakthrough and it was a spirit of infirmity that left but whenever they left out of church it tried to jump back on them you've got to have faith to rebuke that stuff and stand in your healing and let me give you another example now about how does a person how does an individual cultivate faith in their life to receive here's another story I really love I remember one time let me say I'm gonna come back to this story I remember one time there was I was so sick I mean I was probably like 19 years old but I had a bad case of the flu and um, I'm not shooting this to anybody I'm just saying it's for me I'm kind of stubborn about things in a good way I figured well you know if I'm battling something I'm gonna go to church and I'm not gonna sit at home feeling sorry for myself I'm gonna go and get healed anyway and I was at church man I was so sick I I mean I could this is the truth I could barely walk across the aisle before I had to sit back down I just had a bad case of the flu and I was sitting there suffering but I was like man I'm here I'm gonna receive well the pastor um, I still remember this guy he was a precious man of God and this was at, when I was in Bible school he was one of my teachers but he was a pastor of a church as well and he had been on a fast and this brother lost some serious weight, man. He was really going after God. He did. He was pulling out um, suits that was back like in the 60s, man. Anyway, so he was there, and he had preached, and he was praying for people. And I remember I walked up to him. I was, I was like, brother, I need some healing. You know, he prayed over me. The power of God shot through me. I hit the ground. I said, man, Lord, I've received it. I felt so much better. I got up, and I knew. I was like, man, I'm this is good something's good going on right here by the time I went out to eat I already felt like I could eat and by that night service I was hundred percent there's many many stories like that I could share but I don't want to just bog down on stories but I want to share one more about Kenneth Hagin about stubborn faith 
Now, it's one thing for those that are praying for people to have faith. We've got to have faith when we pray. And it's very important that a church will be, have an atmosphere of faith. The last thing you want is to have to pray for somebody to be healed and you've got a whole bunch of people around here with an attitude like, well, we'll see if that happens. Why do you think Jesus ran them all off and it was just him, Peter, James, and John? Okay. So there needs to be an atmosphere of faith, but also it's important that the person that's getting prayer has faith to receive. And I remember this story too, and then I'm going to move on from this point, but Kenneth Hagin was sharing one time that he read in the Bible, James 5, 16, I believe, where it says, if there's any sick among you, let them call upon the elders of the church. They will anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And it says save the sick because it's the, that whole salvation, healing, deliverance thing. So he just believed it. How many knows that I believe God just wants us just to read it and believe it? Quit trying to analyze it. Quit trying to dissect it. Quit trying to figure out a way to disbelieve it. Just believe it. And so he believed with all of his heart that if he would simply, because he, he had had some weird paralysis on the side of his face. He was a young man, so this was pretty bizarre. And, I mean, his, his face drooped. And um, anyway, he was going to a church where they didn't pray for the sick. It's not that they didn't believe that somebody could be healed. They, it just wasn't something they did. And so... He went up to the pastor and he said, listen, I want you to pray for me. I want you, the Bible says in James 5, 16, if you will anoint me and you'll pray for me, I'll be healed. And this pastor was saying, well, yeah, we really don't pray for people like this, but I've never really done it or something to that effect. But this is what Kenneth Hagin said. Listen to this. He said, I'm not asking you to believe. I believe. You just anoint me. And so the pastor said, well, it's a Wednesday night service. We do just kind of a teaching thing. But afterward, I'll be happy to do that. He was a nice guy. I mean, this, this was just new to him. That's all. And so Kenneth comes up to him after service. And he's standing there ready. He's ready. He's expecting. You know, he's, you know, you need to anoint me now. And so the pastor goes up, anoints him, prays for him. And Kenneth said, you know, I didn't really feel anything at all. But he said, I believe that I received it. And he said, man, you've got to watch out for the doubting Thomases because his friends were outside, you know, poking his face going, I don't know. It doesn't look any different to me. You know, it's still drooping. And he said, I have received it. Leave me alone. So he goes home. Anyway, make a long story short, after a few days, he woke up and his face was normal. He received it when he got prayer. And he ignored all the doubting Thomases. And then it manifested in his life. But I shared that because if people will receive by faith. I mean, it, it's one thing for the person praying to believe and there to be an atmosphere of faith, but it's really powerful if the person that's getting ministry will really believe they have received it. There's an expectation. And I remember, um, I have to, you know, I've learned this years ago, and the, it's a fight of faith. Sometimes you don't feel like a great man or woman of faith. But faith isn't a feeling, praise God. 
And sometimes, you know, there's a lot of doubting voices that'll try to attack your thoughts and fear and things like that. So you've got to really stay in the Word. But um, I remember one time I was really not feeling good and I was at this meeting and there was a friend of mine who I knew he's an evangelist but he had a real powerful healing ministry. And I, I wasn't feeling 100% but I really wanted to get everything out of where I was. And I kind of went over to him and aside and I said, pray for me real quick to be healed. Pray for me real quick to be healed so that you know, I can get everything out of this service and not be distracted by this stuff. And um, he just lays hands and prays. And I, I, I believe I receive it right now in Jesus' name. And he, he told me, he said, I really felt something. And it, what it was, was me just saying, I got this now and going. You see what I'm saying? He, he wasn't in a prayer mode. He was just there. I said, pray for me real quick. It's, but when he did it, I believed, I pulled that, that we were agreeing together as two. The Bible says, if you lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. I just believed it. You know, I started feeling better after that. Everything was fine. So if we'll believe God to receive it and then walk it out. But here's the next point I want to make, though, because sometimes people are frustrated. They feel like that they have believed God and they did get a measure of breakthrough. And they feel like that they've been walking in faith up to a point anyway. And they've been really frustrated as why some things haven't changed yet. They feel like, you know, I've had this thing in my hand a long time. Now remember, till you get to 26, there's no complaining, right? And so I've had this thing in my hand a long time, Lord. Why am I not seeing this exchanged for the reality? Well, there's a couple things to consider, and this is not an exhaustive list. But this is a good question to ask. What is blocking the breakthrough? Here's some questions. Number one, am I out of God's will? Did you know that if your life is out of the will of God, it can hinder answer prayers? Number two, is your home in order? The Bible talks about that in 1 Peter 3 talks about husbands loving their wives, but also talks about wives submitting their husbands. And if a wife is going to be rebellious and not submit to her husband, it's little wonder why maybe she's not healed. And so, is your home in order? Number three, is there any sin that has not been repented of? And when I say that, don't think to yourself, well, I'm analyzing it and I don't think so. The, the wise thing to do was say, Lord, you show me. Because he sees everything. We only see a little bit. And so we say, Lord, show me. Is there something in my life? And let me say something here. A lot of times, people have had a bitter root that's really deep down in there. But if you'll pray and you'll fast and you'll get on your face and humble yourself and, and really forgive other people and ask God to dig that root out of you, he'll do it. There's also a lot of times, hear me, a lot of times people are so focused on what they're struggling with over here. But if, the, if you'll let the Holy Spirit show you, 
it will go down deeper than that and a lot of times there's a root of pride way way down there that you don't see but God will show you because pride is usually the mother of all other sins so you're struggling with this this and this and you're praying about this this and this but you have to understand that until you let the Lord get down there and dig out that root it may still be a reoccurring problem so a lot of times it goes down to pride way down in there that God needs to root out also is there something you haven't prayed about or dealt with you know another question is is there unforgiveness in your life I remember a story one time a lady that was on the 700 club giving her testimony she had gotten um, I believe it was cancer as a matter of fact I think it was breast cancer and she was really praying about it and, and she was at church and as she was worshiping and praying about the Holy Spirit showed her that she had had unforgiveness towards somebody and she had just forgotten about all this I mean knows it's a lot easier sometimes to just forget about painful things and not deal with it and so she really forgave that person from her heart and let it go it's important to forgive from your heart okay not just head but from the heart she forgave from her heart and when she did did you know that that cancer started disappearing and completely left her and that's all she did was forgive do you have a deliverance issue this can be an issue right here about healing or something else Many times there can be things that have been like an oppressive curse, a generational curse, something like that, where it seems like that someone is wrestling against an invisible force, where they seem financially to never really get ahead. There's chronic sickness, there's different things in their life, and it's maybe some kind of a curse, a generational curse, or something in their life that's been stubborn and it seems like maybe also there's a spirit that has been causing a sickness and until you hear me about this the prayer of faith alone will not deal with that you're going to have to destroy those works of the devil and you're going to have to drive out that spirit that's causing it did y'all hear what i said you, the prayer of faith alone the person may get healed temporarily but if the demonic's not driven out it's just going to come back you're going to have to deal with that spirit of infirmity or spirit of death. So, this is the last thing I want to close out with is this, because I'm dealing here with faith because we're going to have to have faith to possess the promised land. When the children of Israel got to the promised land, and they were standing there, and they were at the Jordan, the promised land was in front of them. Moses sent out the 12 spies. The great rebuke that God had for them was that they did not believe God. They got out of faith and they got into doubt and fear and unbelief. Which caused them to have to go back into the wilderness. The people that are going to possess promised lands, the people that are going to take the head off giants, the people that are going to see breakthroughs into destiny are going to be people of faith. And so Hebrews 6.12 says this, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience 
inherit what is promised. So I've been talking about faith. Now we have to combine it with patience because not everything is going to be quick and easy. And if it's really God, most of the time it won't be. Usually the quick and easy is either the flesh or the devil. So I could put it this way. If you're at a fork in the road, and one way is easy, and the other way is going to be very difficult, probably the difficult path is actually God. And the easy path is a temptation of the devil. Many times God will put us through a refining process. God takes us through the wilderness to prepare us for destiny. Did you know that your wilderness, this is important, that everybody understand your wilderness, that your wilderness is pretty much promised to you in Scripture. That God will call you, he'll, he'll put his hand on your life, he'll anoint you, he'll send like a measure of revival in your life, and then you're going to go right into a wilderness time of preparation. Jesus didn't get out of it. But your wilderness will be, hear me, will be the exact opposite of what you were promised. The children of Israel were promised a land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, you're picturing beautiful rivers, lush green trees, and God puts them in a desert. So your wilderness will be the opposite of what God has promised you. And if you'll be faithful through that wilderness, you'll come out the other side. That's where... Faith has to be combined with patience. How many people have incredible healing ministries, but at one time in their life they were on a deathbed? How many people have incredible deliverance ministries, but at one time they were tormented? They had to get their breakthrough. How many people, their ministry may be known for the presence of God and for revival? But they went through a time where they didn't feel God's presence. And it felt like God was a million miles away. Is this making sense? Your wilderness, though, will prepare you. See, we all know this, but the grape has to be crushed before it can be wine. The olive have to, has to be crushed before it becomes oil. There has to be some kind of a breaking process and all of us to deal with that pride and get us to a place where we can be usable. We ourselves have to learn how to get the victory and walk in the victory before God can use us to help other people get the victory and walk in the victory. It only makes sense. The only thing is, is that none of us look at the wilderness and want to go through it. We're thinking about how we can get in some Humvee or something and we can drive around the wilderness and come in the back way into the promised land, the easy way. But listen, part of learning to crucify the flesh, I believe daily prayer brings the flesh under and there's a crucifixion there. But also part of crucifying the flesh has to do with when we're going to, in a practical sense, have to see that there's two ways I can go about this. I can go about the easy way that my flesh wants, or I can go about this where I'm going to have to totally die to my flesh, and nothing in me really wants to go through this, 
But on the other side, I know it's what God wants. In a practical sense, that is a crucifixion of the flesh. That we surrender to our personal cross. That we surrender to the personal wilderness process that God's going to put us through. You know, like Joshua, we're going to have to, when we start taking promised lands, we're going to have to take it inch by inch. God can, cannot necessarily give you everything instantaneously because you couldn't handle it. So he's going to give it to you in increments. Now let me close out by saying this. <coughs> have faith to press through into revival, river of life, into the harvest field. How many will believe with me that we have faith in the Lord of the harvest to give us increase? How many will have faith with Pastor Scott in the stripes on Jesus' back to bring healing to the sick? How many will believe with me to have faith in the one who will come and deliver the captives and set those free in darkness? So here's a couple prophecies when Brother Benny was with us. When I hear somebody prophesying, I don't just hear what they're saying. I hear what others have told me too. And I, I document it. I went back. I, I was able, thankfully, to record what Brother Benny was sharing over the church. But also, while he was talking, I was taking notes. And this is how I wanted to end this because I want you all to hear me. Remember that Brother Benny was saying, I kept seeing... You know, Sister Sandy having a baby in her arms. I remember that. I keep, I keep feeling that this is, this is a birthing time. What were we praying about recently? We were praying about this effectual door. Our prayers is a birthing. He didn't know any of that because when somebody like him comes, I don't tell him anything. I figure, brother, it's your job to come hear from God. I'm not going to give you anything. And I, and I mean that in a loving way because it can actually mess with things when you start telling them stuff. Don't do that. Let God show them. All right. But here's what he felt. He felt that there was a change coming, and it's a good change. It's a shift. You know what this is? It's breakthroughs. Answer prayers. He saw a significant increase in the anointing. He said there's an increase in the anointing that's coming. He talked about it being a weighty thing, something where God is serious. And he talked about that increase of anointing. And I'll tell you what he's prophesying there. He's prophesying this effectual door. He's prophesying something opening up in the way of what we would call revival. Y'all hear what I'm saying? He saw an increase of provision. He said he felt maybe there's been finances that it, the enemies try to hold them up, you know. But he said that they're coming. Provision. And I couldn't help but think about how I've heard this before. I remember Brother Kilpatrick telling me, the gold found the glory, glory and then the bag of gold coming. He said he saw God beginning to draw people. An increase where God began to draw people in. And I couldn't help but remember because I wasn't all caught up with Brother Lindell playing so awesome on the keyboard and singing. I'm back here listening to what he's actually prophesying. And I got my phone out and I'm writing it down. 
And he said, I see the Lord beginning to draw people from the north, south, east, and west. Draw them in. How many knows that God is the God of the harvest? And he said that there was a specific group of people we're called to reach. He said, listen, he said these words. They've been earmarked for you to reach. Now, I couldn't help but think back in 2003 how one of the greatest men of God I've ever known named Steve Hill laid hands on me and was praying over me and he said God has a harvest for you brother Benny was just simply reiterating there's a harvest for you and it's coming and he also said God was going to restore the years the locusts have eaten and I couldn't help but think and a pastor friend of mine's office brother Holt you got some of you guys know he said, your jubilee's coming. Your jubilee's coming. And he said the same thing, restoring the years the locusts have eaten. I believe what God is looking for in River of Life is that we will be a people of faith. I remember, I'm going to tell one quick story about David Hogan. Y'all like Brother David Hogan? I love his ministry. I love Brother David. He, he is a wild man for Jesus. Amen. How many would agree with that? He is. I love him dearly. I really do. I've sat under his preaching numerous times. And if at all possible, I'd always go up and get him to pray for me. I have the utmost respect. But I remember that he was out in the jungles of Mexico for a couple years before he even saw one person get saved. He said he had prayed for many people that were sick before he ever saw the first person get healed now David is known for souls being saved and crazy miracles like you wouldn't believe but he had to keep plugging away in faith till he got the breakthrough but let me tell you real quick what happened I heard him talking about it that they had went on an extended prayer and fasting as a ministry and he had all these leaders and everybody really praying and believing God and they were fasting they were being really serious about it and they had this yearly conference he had been out there now for for several years and, and a lot of people had gotten saved and now this was like a conference they were having everybody coming together and he said that during the conference he said something happened he wasn't physically there but something happened where the power of God fell in that place he said people just begin to collapse under the power of God he said that his son was there and was just on his face and God's presence and power was unbelievable. Brother David said that he had not really realized that this had happened, but he was driving in his truck to the meeting. And he said around that meeting, there must have been some kind of a dome of the glory of God because he was driving his truck and he ran into the dome and he said the power of God hit him so strong, he just like slammed on his brakes. It was like, what in the world? He said he put it in reverse and backed out, and he backed out of it. He drove back into it again and did that again a couple of times. He's like, what is going on? And he drove into the meeting, and he saw it look like pandemonium. Everybody was just out under the power everywhere. And his son had had an open vision of Jesus. And he saw Jesus in the meeting, and his son, when he saw Jesus, began to move toward the Lord. And he saw that Jesus was about to leave. And he said, Lord, please don't go. 
And Jesus turned and looked at him and said, I don't see a lot of faith here. And his son, by the, just the grace of the Holy Spirit, his son was reaching out like this and says, but Jesus, I believe. And he said, that's when everything really broke open after that. So Jesus is looking for people that will press into him and believe. And now that ministry sees incredible. I mean, the last I heard, they've seen over 400 people raised from the dead. They've seen every type of miracle you could imagine. And it's, it's an amazing thing. But God is looking for people that will believe. And I believe by and large, River of Life is a, is a people full of faith. But how many will believe with me that, you know, there comes a point in time when it's what's called a kairos time in Greek. Kronos is just you're going through time. But kairos is that moment where you're birthing. Where you're bir so like the nine months, as Wendy would know, the nine months is Kronos time. But then when the water breaks and now there's dilation and now there's pain, the baby's coming, it's time. That's when Brother Zach freaks out and gets the luggage. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But this is, there's a Kronos time where you're just going through what we've been going through. You're praying, you're fasting, you're believing. You believe the prophecies, but there comes a point in time where it's actually a birthing. And you have to believe God at that time and not do what Israel did and stand at the promised land and get in fear and unbelief and walk away from it. This is the time that you do like David did and you run at the giant. That you go in and possess that promised land. I believe that we're coming into a Kairos time now in River of Life. This is the time. And Brother Benny said he felt 2018 is the year of new beginnings. Trust me, we're at it. It's on us. And so just get ready for a lot of change. But I need people to believe with me. How many will believe with Pastor Scott to possess this promised land and see this harvest, etc.? All right.